Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Good morning, Audacity Church. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're new around here, my name is Ronnie. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, we're going to start a, a new series uh, this morning called Q&A. The idea, the premise behind it is that you got questions, and so do we. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm going to share just a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a pastor's pastor's kid, right? Third generation pastor, and I promised Jesus at an early age I would never be one. Um, just be careful what you tell God you ain't going to do. Um, he tends to delight in that for whatever reason. And so I grew up uh, very conservative, um, uh, independent Baptist and then Southern Baptist. Uh, and uh, now I'm more of a Bapticostal. I mean, it's kind of where, yeah, hallelujah, uh, where I find myself uh, theologically. And so, um, but I was raised in an environment where questions were not answered well to me. It was like, well, if you got questions, it's because you don't have enough faith. I don't believe that for a minute. Whenever you're walking with Jesus and you have fear or doubt or anxiety or maybe you question why something happened and uh, you just are, are seeking an answer, I don't think that that has anything to do with your level or measure of faith. I think it's a part of the way that God wired us. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is we've allowed you to ask questions. And you guys have done a great job on social media. We've received text messages with questions, emails with questions, and we're really, really grateful. Um, um, we plan things at Audacity out like months in advance. And so uh, we're going to move some stuff around because of the amount of questions that you asked, which is cool. Um, my type A obsessive compulsive only twitched a little bit. By moving some stuff, we'll, 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 be, we'll, be, we'll be all right. Uh, but we're going to extend Q&A, and I'm going to answer as many questions as I possibly can that you guys have asked. And um, I think that uh, the verse of chastity so eloquently read to us a little bit earlier, I want to read just a portion of that to you. And you can turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. You can try to keep up with me today if you'd like to. If you can't, the word's going to be on the screen behind you. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, say, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Later in this series, we'll probably get into uh, where people call, what what, um, scholars call apologetics where I will make a defense of why I believe that the Bible is the infallible, inspired Word of God, why I believe that Jesus Christ was His Son, fully divine, fully human, stepped out of heaven, became a man, dwelt among us to show us how to live a sinful life so that He could die the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so then we could, the Bible calls it propitiation, so then we could be seen righteous in the eyes of God and we could spend eternity with Him. I, we ain't going to argue about that. Now, I can present a case, but what I, want, I need your permission to realize that the standard that I am going to answer your questions are on the Word of God. I don't need anything else. 
I can give you some scientific data that I believe will help us in some of the questions that we've asked. I can give you some historical documentation of how we can trust that the Bible is the living, divinely inspired Word of God. But I'm not here today to start out our series making that defense. But that's the standard. Everybody say, I'm good. All right. Tell the person next to you that he's about to preach. And you should be excited. You should be excited. The most popular question that we received in one way or another, and I'm going, to ask your, I'm going to ask you to please give me two weeks, and I usually don't do this to answer this one question, but I need that from you. But the most popular question that we received was something along the lines of this. How does a good God allow suffering? Why does a loving God allow evil? Why does God allow bad things to happen to children? And I get it. And I'm going to try to answer this one question in the next couple of weeks. But this is how we're going to phrase the question. It's this. Why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a legitimate question. I mean, in life, we, um, we ask these questions. Now, if you ask this question, I want you to take offense at my next statement. But one of the things we're going to do in this series is I want to answer the question that's under the question. You know, whenever you ask your kid, hey, did you clean your room? That's not the question. The question is, hey, did you obey today? Whenever you say something, how many times have I asked you that? Why do parents ask dumb rhetorical questions? Man, my dad used to do it to me all the time. And now I find myself asking questions like, hey, should you have done that to your brother or sister? Everybody in the room knows the answer to that question. Why do parents do such things? But the truth is that the question under the question, and I get it, God isn't fair. Or God isn't fair to me. Or, man, can God be trusted? See, that's the question under the question of why do bad things happen to good people. And I think it's all right for us to ask these questions to God. The Bible says he's a loving father. Jesus completely revolutionized the prayer life of any Jewish person when he said we have the ability, in Matthew 6, to come to him and say, Daddy. And that changes things. We have a loving dad, an Abba in heaven that wants good things for us. He loves you. Loves you. You're the Bible says you're the apple of his eye. He's passionate about you. So it was like, Pops, why do bad things happen? I mean, Dad, why are you letting some of this happen? Or why are they having to walk through that? And I believe that he is big enough to answer that question. I'm going to answer that question several different ways. But if I were to answer it in preacher talk, and I was just going to answer it simple, and I was going to answer it in three words, it really comes down to this. God is sovereign. That's it. There's a bunch of different answers that I can give to you, but with summing it all down of why do bad things happen to good people, it's God is sovereign. Ronnie, help me understand what that means. I would love to. I would love to. He is just. He is perfect, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Sovereign means this, that there is absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence or authority. Nothing. 
Nothing happens in this universe that is outside of God's influence or his authority. You know, if we're honest, it is God's justice, it is God's um, holiness that really prevents you and I from taking matters into our own hands. It's justice. Even when justice is not served, a verdict doesn't go the way that it's supposed to. You didn't get the promotion that you deserve. Someone is treating you harshly. Someone is taking advantage of you. The only thing that prevents me from taking my hands and laying them on another person around their neck and then hugging them until they stop breathing is justice. I mean, if we're honest, right? Honesty... If we're honest to ourselves, we realize, I mean, it's justice that kind of restrains us from taking matters into our own hands. Everybody believes in this. This is what culture calls it, karma. That's what they call it. Oh, karma will catch up to you. What they mean by that is they sure hope that justice happens. And let me tell you this. God is sovereign, and he is perfect, and he is just. He's just, but this is what happens. How do you get to Oklahoma City? Well, you could take the you know, Turnpike 44 and go to Oklahoma City. If you want to be creative, take a little bit longer, drive a little bit slower. You can take Route 66, and you will slowly but surely inevitably get there. I told my kids, uh, I took a few days off, and so I told my, we took our kids to the Science Museum. I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to take Route 66 home after we go to Pops, and this is going to be really cool. 18 miles in, I'm trying to find the Turnpike. I'm like, Jesus, where's the turnpike? I know it's around here somewhere. What is this 45 miles an hour stuff? I want to get home before it's dark, Lord. The truth is there's really two ways, right, that we can get to Oklahoma City. But this is how we live life. God, I know there's a way you want me to live, but I'm going to go ahead and take my own path. God, I know there's a standard that you set that you said allows blessing to flow into my life, but I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing. God's justness, his perfectness, his sovereignty is the answer to why when we get off course or why things happen in our lives. Let me just, I want to set this precedent. God is holy. We talked about this last week. In um, Isaiah, it says this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts or the Lord God almighty. And I told you last week that when the Bible says things twice, why? It's important, but why else does the Bible do it? It's for Pastor Ronnie, the remedial student. God has to tell me things twice because he loves me. When the Bible goes on to say something three times, they might as well have said, holy, holy, infinity. Basically, when it says it three times, it's letting us know that they are trying to describe the word. Some people would say, oh, well, that's in representation of the Trinity. I'm not going to argue that, but I know Hebraically, it's to, make, it's to place emphasis on that word. That's why the Bible uses redundancy. There's a quote that's going to be on the screen behind me, and this is from a, a theologian named R.C. Sproul. A lot of times around here we talk about dead dudes with beards, right? The old theologians that speak, this guy isn't dead and he doesn't have a beard. You can Google him later, but this is what he says. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. 
Not that he is merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It does say that he is holy, 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 and the whole earth is full of his glory. God is perfect. He's perfect. He's sovereign, which means he is in complete control of everything that you're walking through. Every circumstance that seems unfair, he's in control. Everything that doesn't make sense right now, he's in control. He is sovereign. What's the other answer to this question? Because I think it's important. Another answer to why do bad things happen to good people, when we want answers, it's really simple. You are limited, and I am limited by my humanity. We are limited by our humanity. Just because we cannot comprehend or imagine a good reason why God allows something doesn't mean there isn't one. I've seen, man, I know we're a new church, right? I mean, and I'm trying to teach you all. When I preach good, I need you to let me know that. It's just affirmation. You know, I probably don't need it as much as I do, but I just need it. helps me kind of keep going. And whenever I, like, write something that, man, I'm like, I can't even believe that came out of your mouth. You barely got out of high school. I, I need you all to say, yeah, you, you go on. I'm going to say it to you again just because it was that good. And I know it hurts. It stings a little bit, right? We're like, man, that makes me uncomfortable, Pastor Ronnie. I know it does. It makes me uncomfortable. Imagine typing the words out. Just because we can't comprehend or imagine a good reason why God allows something doesn't mean there isn't one. This is what I need you to do. If there's been something that you walk through, I just need you to testify before God right now. If there's been something that you walked through that in the moment, maybe it was months, maybe it was years, maybe it was a decade, something happened you couldn't understand, but then God showed you down the road why he did it. Just lift up your hand. All right, if someone's hand is not up, elbow them because they're lying. Right? We all have had those experiences where we walk through something that doesn't make sense. And then God says, hey, see? You guys, I ran from God. And some of you, like, have wandered away from God. No, like, I, like, I packed my bags and I went on a sprint. And I ran for as long as I could, as far as I could, because of two reasons. Two reasons. Let me just tell you about Selfish Ronnie. He's such a handsome man. Selfish Ronnie wanted to marry a girl. I'm not going to tell her name because she probably listens to the podcast. Her husband's a pastor and a friend of mine, so I'm sure he listens too. But I wanted to marry her. And I also wanted to play college basketball. So y'all didn't laugh because you're being gracious to me. I know that I'm six foot one and white, but it was a dream. I spent hours on a court, and I knew I wasn't even going to play Division One. I. I mean, I had this like, aspiration that I would be that one white guy or three white guys that sit on the end of Kentucky's bench, right? And we're like, yeah, we're seniors. We played 45 seconds this year. Yay. I mean, that was my aspiration. But deep down inside, I'm like, you're probably Division Three material or maybe some Bible college league that nobody's ever heard of. That's really where you are. Yes, Ronnie. And so I was okay with that. But I wanted to go and play Bible college. I wanted to go and play basketball at a Bible college. Don't y'all think I'm spiritual? Don't think I was spiritual. It was just because I knew that was the level in which I could play college college basketball. It wasn't because I was going to go and get like an arts degree and meet a lot of girls or something. I didn't know. 
But those two things, and when they didn't happen, I decided that God didn't know what was best for my life, didn't love me the way that he said he didn't, so he didn't deserve to have me in his fold. I know y'all have never done anything like that. Just, just me. Just me. And you know, years later, God puts this girl in my life that I'd met when I was 13. And we've been married 16 years. And we have nine children. (laughs) God's plan was so much better. And if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but she is so much better looking than you. And you're cute. But see, God knew how, how I knew who I needed. You know, I told my wife, I said, hey, we need something for Q&A, and, and, and uh, we have a couple of ideas, and, and so we were pounding around, and our week got busy because when we take days off, all that means is we get days behind. It's awesome. Uh, things don't go away. Our responsibilities don't get pawned off on somebody else. And so my wife last night is building this sign until 11.30, 11.45. We were up till almost 1 o'clock this morning just because she wanted you guys to see have something beautiful to look at. See, God created her for me, but I wasn't understanding his sovereignty. And I'm limited by my humanity. And so I question the decisions that God makes in my life when they are the very best for you. They're so... Here's the other problem because we're human. Dr. Tim Keller, you know he's my favorite dude to quote TK all day. He should drop an album. Someone email him. He's like in his 70s, but he would love it. Here's what he says. He said, if you have a God transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have a good reason for allowing you to continue that you can't know. Indeed, you can't have it both ways. This is what we want. We want it both ways. We want God to not only move sovereignly and control everything, but then we would like for him to sit down around the conference table and explain his decision making to us. Seriously, if the same, and I know, I know that's a lot of like words, but this is it. He's saying if you have a God that you want to stop suffering and you're mad at him because he doesn't, there's got to be a, the same God that doesn't need to explain or define why he's allowing things to happen. There has to be a reason. I don't understand why children starve to death. You know, the truth is, if we really felt anything about it, or really were moved and were compassionate, it wasn't just something we threw in God's face, we would do something about it. It's truth. You can't have it both ways. It's imperative that when we are discussing why God, we approach His holiness with reverence and awe. God, you love me. You're the creator of the universe, and you let me talk to you, and I'm still utterly confused by that. But I don't understand why he is walking through this or why she is walking through this, but I'm going to trust you anyway. What if the worst thing happens? What if God allowed, does it make him any less God? No. But what we do is we're so selfish. I was talking to my wife because she helps write these sermons. I think it's truth. And I said, why are we this way? Why are we this way? And she goes, you know, whenever things have happened in my life, she said, when I can't understand it, I just think it has to be wrong. Well, that's good preaching. That's from Ashley. Whenever I can't understand it, 
I think it just has to be wrong. That's where we are. When God allows something and it doesn't make sense or it offends us, he must be wrong. He made a mistake this time. I know he's kadosh and holy and perfect and all, but he missed this one. This slipped through the radar. No, it didn't. There has to be a reason. God loves you. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. He really does. And yeah, bad things happen. And yeah, it's frustrating. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I'm going to give you three things. If I were to title the sermon that we're almost, uh, we're well, well, we're working on it. We're getting there. One is God's perfection. Point number two would be our pride. And then number three, if we get to it today, will be his praise. See, it is God's perfection in his divinity as the one that spoke the world into existence that allows him to let anything happen that he sees fit. God is perfect. And although the circumstance you may be walking through or have walked through is far from perfect, it does not impact his perfection. See, the problem is, is sin. It's my favorite thing. I think I said it last week. Well, sin is missing the mark. That's how we want to define it to make you feel better. Sorry, that's my corny preacher voice. Let me tell you what. God is perfect. He cannot look upon sin, nor will he. And it is because of that that we are separated from him. Our sin has implications that we could not bear on our own outside of death. And so guess what? Jesus steps in and fixes that. Without him, we don't get to be in the presence of the Father anyway. It is not missing the mark. It's more than that. It is sin. It is what causes separation between you and God and me and God. There's a guy named Hal Lindsey um, who wrote a book called Combat Faith, and I read it years ago. I was trying to find it in my library. You know, half my library is at the church. The other half of my library is in my closet at home. You should see it. It's a mess. And I was trying to find this book because I knew that how Lindsay talked about why do bad things happen to good people. And I don't think that's how he worded it. But he gave 10 reasons. And you're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to do all 10. No, I told you I needed a couple weeks. Don't get nervous. You'll get to lunch. You'll get to lunch. He gave 10 reasons. And I remember thinking through, I'm like, man, I, I want to go through and, and look at a couple of those. But the only one, there's a bunch and what, there's a bunch that we might get to. But the one that I think is so important for us to walk away from here, this house today, to understand is one, is sometimes it's just sin. We don't want to hear that. We don't. Hebrews says this in verse 6 of chapter 12, For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Everybody say every. That's not good stuff. What do you mean the Lord disciplines? Oh, this is my favorite thing in common culture today. I just want to be my friend's kid. I'm just, I'm not going to use the word no. My Lord, are you serious? And you don't love your kid. I said it. If you, if your kid, like, hey, don't touch the stove. It's a fire. No, um, I can't say no. Um, let's not do that. Look at this. It's a crown. I mean, if we really think that that works, has it ever worked in your life? Why is it going to work in a two-year-old's life? We... The Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. When we make mistakes, he tries to correct us on the right path. 
He is a loving shepherd, a guide. When you start to go down a path, he tries to get your attention. Maybe this has never happened to you, but I was slowly walking away from God, and he was running. I just kept on walking, (laughs) kept on walking. He would try to get my attention again, and I'm like, really? I'm still running. I'm not going to. And this is what we do. It's slow but surely. And then the sin of just... um, you know, looking at a couple of things, maybe it was the newspaper when people used to get those. Um, maybe it was just, hey, well, you know, I just look at a few images. It's not a big deal. And you know what the most popular word searched for porn this year? The last two years, it's number one. Teen. Yeah, us, right. It's disgusting. But see, that's what happens when we go down the wrong path and God continues to try to get our attention, but we continue to ignore him. We should welcome, I know this is tough, welcome the discipline that he wants to put in our lives. God, if you need to correct a behavior the way I talk, correct it. God, if you need to remove an addiction or a stronghold, correct me and move it. The problem is sin, and he's trying to prevent us from falling into sin. I love what First Peter says. Man, First Peter, the dude's the one that, remember? He, he sees Jesus, and then he pretends like he doesn't know him, and then he curses him. I mean, Peter's dropping expletives. And this is what he says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. Sometimes there's things that God allows in our lives, and it's a part of sanctification. It's a part of making us more like him. It's a part of our pursuit of holiness. You know, if you say that you love your children and then you don't correct them, that isn't love. It's actually the opposite. If you don't correct them because you don't want them mad at you, then you're making your children your idol. Man, I know that stings. It's all right, though. It'll wear off later. See, what happens is we want to be our, listen, there's going to be a stage in your life where you get to be your kid's friend. It just isn't from like zero to 20. You get to be their parent. And Jesus, the heavenly father, loves you so much that sometimes he's just trying to prevent us from falling into sin or continuing the same sin. Sometimes it's just to keep us from pride. I know none of you struggle with pride like I do. Mm. James says this in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to, hum- to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> I love what James says here. James just, man, you know, he denied Jesus' existence. Imagine if Jesus was your brother, and you're like, your younger brother of Jesus, like, oh, the Messiah, sure. And then he raises from the dead, and you're like, snap, (laughs) my brother was the Messiah. Imagine how, I mean, I understand James. He's living the rest of his life. He's like, man, I'm double-minded. He's like, purify your hearts, you sinners. I mean, he took it personally. I love Jude because Jude doesn't even have the audacity, pun intended, to call himself Jesus' brothers. He just says, I'm Jude, the the brother of James. (laughs) 
And James, we know, is Jesus' brother, and he tells us, he says, listen, he, he but points it out for God's going to give you grace. But the only way God's going to bestow grace upon you is when you walk humil- humbly with Him. The only thing that earns grace is humility. And quite frankly, I'm the opposite. I'm sure you're nothing like me, but every decision that I make, I always think, like, with them, what's in it for me? <laughs> How's that going to impact my family if we choose to do this? Or we, and we're selfish by nature. And sometimes the answer to why do bad things happen to good people is because of pride. I started to make horrible financial decisions. I believed that the investments that we were making were going to give us the second home on the lake that we would have never had time to go to anyway. I mean, and I started to do all of these things out of a selfish nature. The year that my wife and I lost everything, we had to sell our house and everything. We had never given more in our lives to the church in that year. Ever. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm upside down. What do you mean? And it's because God was trying to get my attention. And I was like, God, I got this. I'm going to go, man, I promise you, man, we're going to, I'm going to be able to help start 12 churches that I was at at that point. I'm going to do whatever I can. And I was making poor, selfish financial decisions. And it was because I wasn't walking in humility. I kept thinking that, man, this prize that I was going to obtain was going to be so, so worth it. I'm so thankful for grace. Are you thankful for grace? 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it is so good. Amen. Whatever, man, whatever blip is on the radar, whatever is haunting you in your past, know that Jesus is waiting to forgive you. All you have to do is ask Him. Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> not only is God sovereign, not only we are limited by our humanity, not only do we need to understand that sometimes he loves us through correction, but number whatever, what number are we on? On three is praise. If you don't get anything from me today, don't leave here without getting this. Your sole reason for existence is to glorify God. Yeah, I made you uncomfortable, so I didn't say nothing. I'll say it again because it's good preaching. The sole reason that you exist is to glorify God. Well, what about my parental duties? What about my marital duties? What about my vocation? What about my avocation? Blah, blah. No, 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 no. Every, everything. The sole reason that you and I have breath in our lungs is to glorify God. So sometimes God receives glory through your circumstances. I love the story in Daniel. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're standing before this king named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is basically made an idol of himself. And they say, he says, everybody has to worship me. Everybody has to fall down and worship this idol. And these men don't take a knee. They refuse to take a knee. And I love what it says in verse 18 or verse 17. If this be so, uh, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, oh, 
And we need to say that together. But if not. Say it again. But if not. My marriage is on the rocks and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know if I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I don't even know if God is in control of this. And I'm fearful that it isn't going to work out. And he is going to leave me. Guess what? But if not not. If that does happen, if that job isn't there tomorrow, if, if, whatever the if is, God is able to redeem it. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then he throws them in the fire and then he sees a God, someone that looks like a God walking with them. Do you know that no matter what the circumstance that you're walking through that seems impossible to endure, no matter what fiery furnace that you are walking through, Jesus, the Son of God, is walking right there with you. And even more important than that, he's given you the Holy Spirit to affirm you, to build you up, to equip you, to accomplish the things that he wants for you to do in life. You are an instrument of praise. And sometimes that praise comes through adversity. Man. You know, uh, and Jesus knows exactly how you feel. In Luke 22, it says, He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. I want you to just go on to tell you where we are in the story. Jesus has lived for about, uh, lived for 33-ish years. He becomes an itinerant teaching rabbi. Jesus was Jewish. He was not Californian. I know the pictures are confusing. And he preaches for three and a half years. He's a Jewish rabbi, itinerant. means he just goes from place to place and he teaches the gospel message that he had been given from God. Many times people tried to kill him before his time was up. And Jesus now knows that he is about to die the most excruciating form of capital punishment ever invented by man. Ever. And he knows what's awaiting. Jesus would have walked outside the city and seen these men being crucified before. Jesus has probably heard the stories around the table of that person that died that way. He's probably heard agonizing details of how the Romans were inflicting their dominant hand upon the nation of Israel. And Jesus knew what was coming. And here's his words. Father, Daddy, Abba, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. How many times have you asked for that? How many times have you been walking through a circumstance that you just ask, God, please take this cup from me. Please help me get through this because I can't without you. How many times have you endured pain and discomfort and you're like, will you please fix this? Make that better? How many times? Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Isn't that good to know? Nevertheless, man, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know what you're walking through, but I can guarantee you this. It's not crucifixion. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, it could be painful. It could be paralyzing. It could cause 
uh, so much discomfort and lack of trust, and maybe it isn't fair, but our prayer is your will be done. That's it. See, God, Jesus knows exactly how you feel today. Ruth, will you come? I want you to know that questions are okay. And they really are. It's okay to ask God why he's allowing you to walk through something that doesn't seem fair. Why do bad things happen to good people? The first part of my message to you as I preach to you today is really simple. It's because God is sovereign. And he, 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 he sees the whole picture he knows exactly what you're walking through. Now, the other thing that struggles is we are limited by our humanity. So whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever decision that you're having to make, whatever doesn't seem <clears throat> fair, just realize it's from our own human eyes because God doesn't have you and Ashley, but he has something like that for you, <laughs> right? He has something that he's going to bless you with and he's going to take great care of you. He's got an answer. He just needs you to walk in faithful obedience to him. Sometimes he allows you to walk through something because he loves you. It doesn't feel like love. It feels like the swat in the butt so you don't touch the hot stove. Right? But it's love. It's guidance. It's correction. He's putting you back on the right path. And I try to remind myself, no matter what God thinks, it's okay for me to walk through that I exist to glorify God. I read a quote by, uh, I think it was Mother Teresa. She was talking about everything that she had walked through and all that she had endured. And she said that someone had told her that God would never give her more than she could handle. And her reply was this, he sure must trust me a lot. (laughs) So maybe he just trusts you with whatever burden, whatever he has that you're walking through right now. Maybe he just trusts you a whole lot my son trust in the Lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths be not wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and turn away from evil let's pray Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.